You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. If you're going to San Francisco, <laughs> listen to our rock episodes from go, last year. Did you see Alcatraz while you were out there? No, we weren't. What we, the fuck? We're technically, we weren't even like we just did flew you see into the San trolley Francisco. from the room. Uh, no, but we did see the Full House house. Everywhere you look, everywhere. Wait, is that the same look. one? Is uh huh? Is that the Full I House? Was, theme? I get all of those Rod Stewart. Um, what? Theme song. That's fucking Rod Stewart. It wasn't Rod those. Stewart. Maybe not that one, but he does like the <laughs> Rod step Stewart. by step. Rod Stewart doesn't do that day. either. Yeah, that's Rod no, Stewart doesn't. singing those songs. No, look it up. Fake, <laughs> fake news. <laughs> quite, quite, Jenna. <laughs> uh, uh, um, Cut that part out. Jenna. How was San Francisco? Uh, it was beautiful. Uh, a little chilly, but that's how they do. It. You ever been? You ever been to the? Uh... I've been to the West Coast. I haven't been to San Francisco. It's, uh, it's, yeah, man, it's gorgeous. Um, it's fun. Everybody's friendly. That's what they said about oh, Texas before friendly. I moved here. What, that everybody was friendly? Yeah. Everybody is friendly. Eh. Coming from Except Rochester, when, New York. When you're on the fucking road. Uh, what? And when you're driving on the road. Oh, well, yeah, we're, we're spread out here, so, yeah. uh, we have to get to places quickly. And when you impede our progress. nobody leaves ahead of time. Just leave ahead of time. But, okay, so here's the thing. I could either leave at 8.30 in the morning and get there at 9.30. Yes. Or I could leave at 9.15 and get there at 9.30. <laughs> so I'm just going to wait it out. There you go. No, hold on. That's this a, just oh, in. Oh, God. Oh, that's, yes. That was my first thought. I just couldn't think of it. That's What better. the fuck? Really, guys? You're still that. working on the recasting? Hey, you sprung some no, extra recasts no, I didn't spring anything. We see. We saw the same movie. We did see the same movie. Well, although, did we enjoy the same movie? Though? I don't know, dude. But first, we're your talking reaction. about your weekend. <laughs> it was fine. I can't really tell. Jenna, how was your weekend? What did you do this it's weekend? It's not really uh, something I can put into words. We watched movies and played video games. Awesome. God, that we did fun. watch movies and play video games. That's great. Yeah, we watched oh, uh, The Murder on the Orient Express. Have you seen the What'd new one? What did you guys one? think of that? Uh, great. I liked it. We were surprised. It only has like 57% on Rotten Tomatoes. We, we were going in with And maybe that's why we enjoyed it. As much because we went in with tepid expectations. I, I think part of the problem with it, and I liked it. I enjoyed it. In fact, that's one of the movies we were talking about when, uh, um, what were we talking about with Johnny Depp? Oh, Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. Where I, I like Johnny Depp as a performer, and I think I even said in the podcast that I liked him quite a bit in Murder on the Orient yeah. Express. He didn't have a huge role, yeah, but what he for like did, five minutes. Was, it was great. He's playing a gangster, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so yeah, I, I think the thing that caused this movie to have low scores was the Kenneth Branagh performance. Oh, is it a little too... Uh, a little too comedic. Like, yeah. it comes off a little too funny. The French accent was very thick, no? People are getting murdered, <laughs> and you're like, okay. But, dude, that final bit where they run down, like, what happened for yeah. real... Spoiler alert. Like, was powerful. Yes, it we was were... super powerful. We found ourselves being more emotionally affected by it than anticipated for yeah. what is just... Build as like a murder mystery, uh-huh. Agatha Christie novel. Like what, what Michelle Pfeiffer does in that Ooh. that moment, you're like, oh yeah. my god! And, and then it all makes sense. You're like piecing together, ah, that's why uh-huh. X and Y. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it because no. it's still kind of new. It's a cool mystery. It and just think, came out on home video. Yeah, and I think a lot of people maybe skipped it because of that 57 percent Rotten Tomato, which I don't think is fair. Yeah, it's not. Yes. It's not. It's a, it's a good flick. Seek it out. It's a great ensemble piece. And if you hate Johnny Depp, well, he's only in it for five minutes. <laughs> and he gets murdered. Spoiler alert. There you go. He's the murderer. I like that we put the spoiler alert after the spoiler. 
Exactly. What you just heard was a spoiler. Alert. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. That's yeah, is that water tasty? Good water, man. Is it refreshing? Like, tastes like water. It has electrolytes. It's what plants crave. That's right. <laughs> Listen to our Idiocracy episode from November 2016. Dude, one of these times I'm going to just like reference every movie we've ever talked about <laughs> just to hear you tell. I'll rattle off when it was uh, <laughs> Check recorded. out our episode of uh, <laughs> The Perfect Weapon. People should be checking out our past episodes. They should. Otherwise, why are we doing this? We have a... <laughs> Wow, What's all about? Kind of a big question. I can get existential for a second. <laughs> uh, Who's one of, really one like, of my castmates? If a podcast in is downloaded in the forest, a little bit of a fan. What? She's she's oh. she's become a little bit of a fan of the of, show. Of you? Of, oh, of, of the, show. the show. Oh, yeah, well, thank you, new listener. Is she a new listener? Lindsay. Uh, she played Tobias's mom in the play. Oh, she's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we yeah. loved you, Lindsay. So, um. Yeah. She. She listens. She Thanks gives for me listening. hell about some of the stuff that we talk about. Oh yeah. Uh. Which is great. I. I like it. <laughs> well, hopefully it she's. People are listening. Hopefully she didn't hate murder on the Orient Express. Well, this will be the last episode Lindsay know, listens right? to. She's like, fuck it. In the intro, they talked about how they liked Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> I didn't even listen to what they had to say about Unsubscribe. the actual movie. Unsubscribe. Um. Please stick around. No. So the reason we uh, we are talking about this. Uh, I guess we could roll into it. This is the Editing Bay on the Next Wave Radio Network. My name's Joe. Mine's Joel. And this is where we come to talk about movies. Sometimes they're good movies, sometimes bad movies. No matter what the case, every week we will get together, watch a movie. Uh, and that, Well, we don't actually watch it together, but that would be Sometimes sexy. we do. That'd be sexy. We, we should do with, that. We, where we, like, the... we should set up a camera where people could see our reactions while we're watching a movie. It's hard enough to get us together for that two would be hours a week. fun as fuck. Fun for who? It would be fun for everybody. <laughs> uh, but we'll watch a movie every week and then uh, dissect it, uh, talk about what it did right, what it did wrong, and then see if we can put it back together and make it work. Uh, or we, we give it props and just say, hey, this was a good flick. Good on you, movie. Um, the, uh, the discussion, you could join us uh, on Facebook. Just uh, go to facebook.com slash editing bay or in the search function, put in editing bay. And that brings up an image of the woman with the bleeding eyes. Click on that. That's where you can talk back to us. Let us know what you think about the film. And if you've got ideas for movies that you want us to talk about in the future, Mm -hmm. you can put your suggestions there. Uh, So this week, uh, we decided to talk about uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Right. Inspired by our, uh, speaking of watching movies together, our Ready Player One uh, yeah. double date that we had well, on uh, opening day. When we watched we watched Ready Player One, and as soon as it was done, I turned over to Joel and Jenna and said, guys, I'm getting total Roger Rabbit vibes from this movie. Yes. Seeing all of the different uh, characters from different properties kind of coming together there yeah. at the end, the big climax at yeah. the end. Um, and because- having that same feeling that like, this is probably never going to happen again, where you see all of these properties kind of thrown right. together. At least not an 80s version of it. Yeah. Um, there'll probably be a 90s version in another mm-hmm. 10. Ready Player Two, <laughs> where it'll all be 90s. Or Armada. They it'll... just base it off of his next book, Armada. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. But there were a lot of, like, it was Warner Brothers heavy properties, so they yeah, had that too. going for them. I was so surprised that uh, E.T. did not show up since Amblin was, I was expecting more Amblin stuff. Or did it? Stuff. Oh, oh, spoiler alert, huh? Mm. Just, is he really in there? Is yeah. that an Easter egg? Elliot and E.T. What? Yes, sir. No way. Yes, sir. Dude, there is so much content. It's so dense. It it's really so is. dense, full of so many things. It's the Where's Waldo of films. I was uh, I was talking to Jason Cox earlier today, mm-hmm. and we were kind of going through the movie, and I told him, like, man, it's one of those flicks, like the first five minutes, first 15 minutes, I just want to freeze every frame. Right. And go through it with a fine-tooth comb and be like, okay, there's that, there's that, there's that. Apparently, Serenity is in the movie two or three times before it shows up at the end. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, there's a few times where there's, like, a, a bunch of ships flying around and, like, Serenity's That's one cool. of them. And I'm like, I didn't even notice. Not until the very end 
when the fucking Serenity shows up, and I'm like, <gasps> and my little geek heart just like went a million miles a minute. That little uh, spoiler alert, by the way. That little because uh, <laughs> it was a huge story point. That must have been a a, a hell of a production. Like yeah. for the, it must have been in post production for like three years uh-huh. because having to like model and then animate, having and, to get permission. Yeah, well, the permission before is before you started. Yeah, there's modeling the ne- negotiating, but then it's like you've got thousands of different characters that each need to be. If they don't already have a 3D model, right? I mean, Serenity. I guess you can just like, hey, hey email me the uh, model for Serenity. right, and the, and the same thing with like you know the the Ninja Turtles. And the fact that they That's used right. like they used Kermit's like a computer animator. they used the modern Ninja Turtles, which was a bit of a problem. Since uh, this whole thing's like eighties based, like they used modern Ninja Turtles, they it used have been modern the Battle Toads. But it was cool to see Battle Toads and Ninja Turtles next to each in other. Three D, right? Yeah, yeah. God, that was and fun. not just in my dreams. And the Iron Giant. Mm-hmm. That was so fun. Go see uh, Ready Player One. It's not as bad as you think, or people or are what saying. People are saying, yeah. I know there's it's a lot a bad of rap. It, a lot of folks are saying like, well, that was pretty boring with some inspired moments kind of peppered in. I enjoyed the whole thing. I, I will admit that uh, once they worked through that first act and all the exposition, it was, a, it was very clumsily handled. There's a lot of narration. And you know I hate narration in movies. Yeah. Because suddenly I'm going to go, all right, well, he's fine then. Mm. But once we get into good. the quest, kind of following along and seeing how all the pieces come together, and it wasn't just nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. Yeah. Um, well, maybe a little bit. There was a little bit. Like in the final battles, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. But then there's bits like... Like the shining sequence, mm. which is just, Spoiler alert. it's just gold. It's fucking gold. It's fucking gold. Uh, <laughs> it's such a great sequence, and I didn't see it happening. It wasn't in the book. It was it was a complete surprise, uh, and it, it was it was a pleasure. Very seamlessly done. It made me want to go back and watch The Shining, which is something I never thought I would say. <laughs> Not a huge fan of that. I'm a huge fan of The Shining. Yeah, I, I need love to give it another shot. Uh, so so I. Basically, to indoctrinate Sarah to to to, to make her a Cucinati. Did you give her a homework she's, assignment? Well, she's joined me and Lene, like because my sis, my older sister and I would go see The Shining every year for Halloween. That's right, it's kind of our Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. We'd go see that, um, and so I took Sarah like two years in a row <laughs> to go see this movie. And the movie's it's long. It's it's well, it's not that it's long. It's fucking disturbing. If you didn't grow up with, and I guess. My parents had some, you know, questionable choices when it came to raising me and my sister. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a child of 80s cinema, of, like, really violent and scary movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so The Shining was one of those movies I kind of grew up with. And it was definitely one of those films where my father would be like, shut your eyes, close your eyes. That was how I watched movies with my parents. They'd let us watch rated R movies, but when the bid, the bad things were coming up, they'd go, close your eyes. You had to pay attention. Close your eyes. They didn't want to make us leave or go to bed. It was easier to say, close your eyes. <laughs> so yeah, I had lazy parents. Um, that's, I would say that's good parenting. Yeah. That's, uh, that's easing you into a world of uh, murder and sex. I feel like what that did mm-hmm. uh, was one... Uh, it, it fueled my, <laughs> it fueled my sarcasm. Hmm. It, it it fueled my You're not uh, sarcastic show. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, um, I guess uh, I don't know. It 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 tempered my my jaded outlook on life, where I was like, okay, I kind of experienced this stuff. No, I'm trying to over dramatize it. It, but it did kind of. I think it rounded me out where I wasn't surprised by much as I started growing up. That's a good lesson. You know, I, I kind of like, I was like, all right, I, I know what this is. It's nothing special. Like, you know, people right. cursing or blood or violence. Yes. Like when the kids in, that I was going to school with in middle school and high school, mm-hmm. when they were thrown down like the fucks and they thought it was really cool that, you know, fuck, 
fuck this, fuck that. Right. I wasn't impressed with it. See, and I was one of those kids because I was I was kind of sheltered. And uh, no, we don't use bad words. We don't say stupid or damn or uh-huh. hell. Um, but, and then, uh, yeah, I just let loose yeah. in junior high. And then the same thing when I got out of uh, uh, the house and turned 18. It was just like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Right. None of this is true, actually. No, but It's um, all true. Speaking on the other side of that. Yes, as a child who was kind of sheltered from that stuff, it was a little jarring when I started watching rated R movies. Yeah. Being allowed, I remember watching um, "The Hand That Rocks the Cradle." That was my first rated R movie that I saw with in Rebecca De Mornay. Rebecca De Mornay and her boobs. Yeah, like it was. I I I remember sitting there in the theater, like trying to convince myself, "Oh, this is, this is art. I'm enjoying the <laughs> art of cinema and film." And yes, nudity and, and the naked body. And then there's that that pubescent part of yourself. Yeah. That is, uh, you know, just uh, boobies. Oh, my gosh. There was a point in high school where my friends and I would go to, like, art house films. And because, like, we we liked the, <laughs> we liked, like, the, the, the sexual aspect of it. Like, mm-hmm. But if we were going to the art house to go see it's the okay. movies. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. You can look down on those who were giggling. I can't even remember. There were a couple of movies that we went to. Schindler's saw. List. Uh, but it, it was this movie theater was kind of off of Mockingbird in 75. It's before they built the Angelica there. Okay. Before they built Mockingbird Station. Mm. There was like this old, you know, just dirty theater that they showed art house films in. It's also where I saw... My bad. It's also where I saw uh, The Ghost in the Darkness. Have you ever seen that movie? With Michael Douglas and Val Kilmer? Oh, uh, were they hunting the lion? The lion, yeah. yeah. That's where I saw that. For some reason, I remember this. Uh, but yeah, we used to go there, and like we'd be like, "Man, this movie shows tits." <laughs> so I wasn't too mature. I try, I try to make it sound like uh, it didn't impress me much. But still, there were being still reasons exposed to, to it early on and knowing that it wasn't. How did we get uncommon. to tits from Ready? Pl- oh, The Shining. So yeah, no, The Shining. <laughs> I was a big fan of The Shining. But uh, all this to say that Ready Player One, fantastic movie, yeah, integrates a lot of stuff. Uh, it's it's like the. What, what did Jason and I say? Oh, Jason said it was the Matrix for 40-year-olds. It, it's just yeah. got that nostalgia trip. Absolutely. Um, so we decided to do Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Right. Instead um, of uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, because yeah. that's the, the obvious connection with that film. It is, uh, especially when you're you're singing the weird like version of uh, of World of... Come what with what me. is the name of that song? World of, of Pure Imagination. imagination. Yeah. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, Let's I think so. Um, Which, did they even use that music cue? I don't think they it did. Was I think it was just in the trailer. All over the place. But it's in like the reviews of the book. Like, There's a couple of reviews of the book where it's like, it's like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory meets this or, or whatever. Um, and it is. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Also based on a book. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Who Censored Roger Rabbit? But the name of the book. That was book. the book, yeah. That's right. Um, so this movie came out, what, in 87? 88. 88? Although they probably wrapped filming in 87. <laughs> it took them another. Dude, the immensity. And, and when uh, Jen and I sat down to watch this last night, I, I told her that uh, this movie was very, like I'd seen, I was obsessed with this film uh-huh. when it came out because I wanted to be an animator. Like that was my dream job. I wanted to work for Disney. I wanted to draw cartoons. And it wasn't until I was in junior high I realized I don't have the attention span to draw the exact same thing 24 frames a time for one second. Like, that would fucking drive me crazy. Yeah. Uh, born 10 years too late, or too early, I would say. Because uh-huh. with computer animation, I would totally be into that. Maybe I think you were born at just the right time because you, you have that so? appreciation for the 2D animation, I... the hand-drawn animation. Yes. And then also to see it translate. We got to see that translation from Absolutely. 2D, from hand-drawn 
to 3D, and we've got we got to see every bit of its evolution. So that's kind of a special time to be living. So Absolutely. we can appreciate every stage of it, and especially with this film because this is a this is a time capsule. There will never be another film like this mm-hmm. because it was like right place, right time. It was getting the the properties. Everybody, you're never going to get Disney and Warner Brothers could, to sign off and have their characters. Could you, could you imagine a film now with Disney characters where people are saying "son of a bitch"? And no, wise ass, no. There would be and then, like so two many... seconds later, there's Donald Duck. Not only that, <laughs> just the style of animation. You yeah. you can't even get a 2D animated film on its own like greenlit nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like if if they were going to do this, they would just insist on doing everything with computers, right? And I think the biggest charm that comes from this film is that it took 300 animators. A million different drawings, yeah, and just, just the technology was there at the right place at the right time. It's still a little rough around the edges. It's a little rough around the edges, but it's it wouldn't be the same. It's rough around the edges now. Us looking back on it, uh, you could see the seams, but at the time, oh yeah, this it was it was groundbreaking. Of it course, was, it was amazing. Um, this movie has some flaws, and and they range from just some weird continuity errors where you're like. I don't think that character was created in 1947. Yeah, uh, you know, they the years a or bit. or the design of some of the characters where it's like that that Mickey is not 1947 Mickey. That's more of a 1970s 1980s Mickey. The Daffy Duck. The Daffy Duck. Well, th- th- it, see, that's the with Daffy Duck and Bugs. They're straddle. They're getting very close. They look. They almost look like the original 1940s versions, mm-hmm. but the voices and some of like the the uh, personality are definitely. The 70s, 80s Looney Tunes. Absolutely, which is fine. I think they chose the best versions of each of the... Like, I wouldn't have wanted to see, um, you know, the the earlier... Or the later uh, uh-huh. Daffy Ducks. Yeah. Um, but he's got this this coiffed hair uh-huh. that sticks out that I don't remember him That's having. The old Daffy did have that. And then, oh, yeah? But then they were also playing off the Mozart thing. Like, that his hair True. was going a little... And he's playing the, the piano. I, I get it. But the styles of animation... And I don't know how you would have done it without it being too jarring, but, like... There's something about those old Chuck Jones animated uh-huh. uh, um, Daffy Duck, Warner Brothers cartoons uh, where the animation is kind of very like stilted. Yeah. And it's not 24 frames a second. One of the right. challenges they had making this film is like, we're, we're the, filming it at 24 frames a second. The animated characters need to move as smoothly as the humans exactly. do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and yet they're doing like Betty Boop and who's the clown who's walking around? Who yeah, I don't remember. His the style kind of matches. Bozo the Clown. It is Bozo the Clown. And like Felix the Cat is in there. Exactly. Their styles kind of match how they were animated. Sure. That Daffy Duck does not feel like a Chuck Jones Daffy Duck. He, no. he was very upset. Man, I've got to let film. you borrow that Chuck Jones book. Yeah? It's, yeah, it's, I'm Chuck it's Jones. really cool. <laughs> It's called Chuckamuck, based on the. Uh, oh, yeah. It's a play off the title uh, Duckamuck, which is bar none the one greatest the Looney Tunes cartoon yeah. ever. If anybody doesn't remember Duckamuck, it's the one where Daffy Duck's on the screen and he keeps doing things, and the animator keeps changing things. There's on There's like him. a hand that comes in erasing yes. and redrawing, and it changes things up, and he keeps trying to like go uh, with the flow. It's brilliant. And then at the very end, it's revealed that the animator is Bugs Bunny. Yeah, greatest Looney Tunes short. Ever. Yeah, that's like the M. Night Shyamalan. It, it's so... It's <laughs> Warner just, Brothers cartoon. But it's so like... I mean, it's one character. It's the Daffy Duck character carrying it almost the entire... I think it's a 20-minute cartoon. Uh, maybe 15. Uh, I don't even know if it's Do you think, maybe, you think it's I 10? think it's like, like five minutes. No, it's and, not, it can't be five. Uh, it, it's a pretty brisk cartoon. It's so good, though. Yeah. It's... Uh, it's 
they made a, uh, a Game Boy Advance game based or a <laughs> DS, a Nintendo DS game oh, really? based on Duck Amuck. Interesting. Where you do little, little mini games where you're trying to help Daffy keep. I'm the sure that looks from... great. It does look good. Does it really? Yeah, I own it. <laughs> uh, I am a huge fan. I've always been a Daffy Duck fan. That's why I've been a Daffy Duck fan and a Donald Duck fan. And so watching this movie when I was yeah. a kid and like them going into the club. And there they are doing the piano deal. Yeah. It for me it was like a dream come true. It's still like it's like five minutes into the movie. Yeah. And it shows up and it is a crown jewel of this film to see this going on. Because not only do you have all these characters that are interacting with each other that you never, that, you know, different different properties. Uh, they're interacting with one another. Uh, they're they're fighting with one another. They're staying true to their characters, but at the same time, you're seeing this stuff also being integrated with practical sets and practical props. Yeah, you have got the little penguins walking around who are uh-huh. delivering drinks, and but they're holding orders. real trays with yeah. real drinks. Uh, you've got pianos that are getting holes blown into them. Yes, uh, keys are being played. This this is all being like this is all being shot while animators then go back and overlay animated characters doing this stuff. And this is insane, man! The amount of work. It's such a technical marvel. So the fact that every once in a while, like people have complained, every once in a while you see like uh, you see the crane that's actually breaking the dishes that's supposed to be breaking uh, over fine. over Roger's head. You could see it in a couple of frames, despite its flaws, which we can go into. Sure, I think this is. Possibly a perfect movie. Oh, wow. Do you think so? Yes. Wow. Despite the flaws. And I know that doesn't make any sense. This is so finely balanced. It's so well written. It's accessible both to adults and to kids without being too pandering. It doesn't doesn't pander at all. Um, The story is a little... It's... It's nothing we haven't seen before, but that's kind of the charm of it. It's that film noir. It's a detective story. It's clever. Um... And also, it's not afraid to tell you the important details of these characters through just showing you things. There's a moment in this movie where Eddie Valiant goes back to his office, and oh, he's yeah. looking through the photos or whatever that he had just he had just developed the photos, and he's like, oh, look at that. And it's him and Dolores on the beach, and then he comes across the photo of him and his brother. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then it pans. He's at the desk, and it pans over to the and other it, desk. It's like nighttime. With dust on it. When yes. we pan. Mm-hmm. And then it pans back around, and we see the newspaper clippings of you know the, the of his brother been yeah, killed, like, and then we see like the picture of them both graduating from the police force. Yeah. Then we see with Dad oh. Barnum and Bailey Circus. That's right. Uh, so because that cases sets up, solving. it sets up what happens later in the movie. Why Eddie is able to do what he did at the end of the movie mm. because he had circus he had training. That history. Mm-hmm. He had that history, and that's something they don't do that like. A movie now would every ten minutes we'd be reminded like, hey, weren't you in the circus? Didn't you do something in the circus? <laughs> exactly. Hey, Eddie Valiant, oh. I remember seeing you and your pops in the circus. Yeah. They never do that. Like but Ready they, Player they do, One. They get yeah. They <laughs> they do kind of do that. In Ready Player One. It's, it actually kind of echoes uh, same director. No surprise, Robert Zemeckis. But uh, that opening scene in Back to the Future, where you're told all the backstory through this. Well, you've got the Rube Goldberg machine going on where uh, little Einstein is being fed, but then yeah. you're seeing the newspaper clippings, and uh-huh. the TV comes on talking about the plutonium being stolen, right? and then you see it underneath the bed. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of it's, brilliantly it's done in very, one shot. Yeah, it's very clever. And then we, we pan back around, and there's Eddie with a bottle. He's passed out and on his desk. now it's morning the next and morning. And it's morning. It tells you everything you need to know about this character, all of his flaws, the challenge that he's facing in the course of this movie, and ultimately the 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 abilities and powers that he needs to to seek from within 
to overcome at the end. That is brilliant fucking filmmaking. Yeah, That's so well done. I was in love with the idea that cartoons, because I often, I, I watch kids now, um, and like what age did you realize that like, oh, cartoons are actually like one drawing per frame. Like there's some guy who's drawing this one frame a second. When did you kind of piece together the artistry behind it, Man, it and probably, realized that they didn't exist. It, well, uh, that they weren't like real people. That it was, well, or that just like that you know we didn't go to Toontown and set a camera down and yeah. film these things happening. When I was, I think, six years old. Yeah, it's a very specific. Yeah, we uh, there was this whole thing. Okay, so I was a big He-Man fan. Still a big He-Man fan. Sure. Who uh, isn't? But uh, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a Masters of the Universe fan. Oh, okay. I there am a He-Man fan. So there was this whole thing like you would, they had He-Man on every morning before I went to school and there was like a commercial, you know, local networks will pop in and be like, yeah. hey, come on out to, to Greasetown Mall and meet He-Man. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, fuck it. Fucking oh. He-Man's coming to the mall? Oh, no. What? And so I, I begged my dad. I'm like, Dad, take me. I want to meet He-Man. They're like, never you know, well. come meet He-Man and win this or win that. I'm like, I want to fucking meet He-Man. <laughs> so my father takes me to the mall, and it's some fucking... <laughs> I, I like I was mortified. Were you was expecting this, like two D cell shaded He-Man sitting what, on a throne? I didn't know lies. what to expect. I just knew it wasn't what I ended up seeing. Yeah, and it was somebody in a really horrible like plastic costume. The eyes, the mouth, nothing moved. Like it was just Ugh. and like someone's voice coming from inside. Like, hey, I'm He-Man. I'm like, oh no, you're not fucking He-Man. <laughs> and the fact that like He-Man's like with me and I'm shaking his hand and meeting him. And like Skeletor's over, and I'm like, why are you guys, why are you next, guys to just, next to each you other? Fight! Yeah, why are you coming out and waving? Like you were waving, you're standing next. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, so that was it. Was then that, was that like I realized a, they didn't take a camera to tune your Santa Claus moment. <laughs> yeah, um, but but I love that idea though. Like if you don't know what it is, and again, like I I I think about kids nowadays and and watching them watch cartoons and like when are they going to what's have the that Santa Claus moment? What is the problem with kids? <laughs> It's the internet, Joe. That's the problem. <laughs> um, but I do remember realizing that, oh, th- this, this is actually like kind of peeking behind the curtain when you see those uh, sketches, those kind of black and white pencil-drawn yeah, sketches. Yeah. In every making of a Disney movie right. or whatever, they show like the black and white sketches and someone will flip through them. And there's them. a dude, yeah, and you're like, oh, that's how it works. And and so I was just enthralled by that whole process. Yeah. I didn't think it was possible. Like I'm, I'm the kind of guy, I always wanted to be an artist, always wanted to draw stuff. And I could never draw the same thing twice. Right. So I'm like, how the fuck do these people do that? Yeah. It's yeah. it's 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 a it's a lost art or a, or a dying art anyway. Yeah. Um, but I love the idea that well, what if there is this part of the world, this Toontown, where uh-huh. that's where all these characters exist, and they've always been there. Yeah. Um, and you could see, even though we've never seen Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny on screen, they're in trailers next to each other in the back lot. Yeah. Warner Brothers. Yeah. Oh, they're filming different Just movies. Just like actors. They work for different companies. That's right. Uh-huh. Uh, that is one of my favorite scenes, too. Kind of fun. Because that's kind of like the holy grail. Of when those two show up And I'm together. not even like a huge Mickey Mouse fan. I mean, Mickey Mouse is a pussy, right? We could all say that. <laughs> like, Bugs Bunny is obviously the cool. Yeah, Janice shaking her head. Modern Mickey Mouse. The early Mickey Mouse stuff, like Steamboat Willie. Like, yeah, those he, were pretty cool. That was cool, but he was never edgy. No. You know, as much as they tried to remember in the 80s or the 90s when he was like, now all of a sudden he's wearing like neon jackets yeah. and like sunglasses. Oh, this ain't your dad's yeah. Mickey Mouse. Club D. That was on the Yes, Disney channel. exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, still wasn't as cool as Bugs Bunny. No. Still wasn't going to give you a cigar that blew your face up <laughs> in a racially yeah, insensitive they never, they, way. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't do that. Not that Disney didn't have its racially insensitive <laughs> moments. It was just uh, unintentional. Yeah. Um, I, I also enjoyed, well, enjoyed, I, I appreciated the uh, the allegory of like that Toontown and Toons yes. and racism. It's about segregation. And, like, yeah, segregation. And uh, I thought that was very clever and an important message, too. Uh, so, you know, you could have replaced tunes with just about anything else, like, you know, with, with black people that, that Eddie has a problem with black people and like through his relationship with Roger learns that, you know, his, his hate and his, his, his distrust is misplaced or used to like them. And then one of them killed his brother. Right. No, I, I bet. I think that that's important. That's a good message, uh, that they're trying to also spread, uh, with this film. So again, I re I reiterate, I, despite its flaws, it also takes on a certain level of responsibility hmm. while also entertaining and entertaining in a very fun, uh, effective way. Uh, and thus, it makes me overlook the flaws in the film. And what are those flaws, Joe? <laughs> the, uh, and what is the, the magic word, <laughs> Mr. Vink? Please. I think May one I please of, one see of... the storage facility? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> Dr. Fangman. Um One of the things that I kind of have a problem with mm-hmm. is the fact that this movie is called Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. And Roger, it, it's not his story. It's Eddie Valiant's story. Oh, sure. And Roger is actually, he's got very little screen time. He's, dare I say, uh, kind of unlikable in a lot of ways. He's, I'm not a he's fan of Jar Jar. He is well, Jar Jar. Well, yeah. And, and, and is it okay? Like, Behavior-wise, he's totally the Jar Jar character, mm-hmm. but he doesn't annoy me like Jar Jar does. And it's mm. is it because we now we understand in the because of this movie the rules that they set forth that Toons are chaotic people; they are mm. chaotic characters, and so the way Roger is is keeping in character with who he's supposed to I be. I get that, but I I, uh, I would disagree. I, I think he's a little annoying in some yeah. of the scenes. Uh, that voice uh, hasn't aged as well yeah. uh, for me. as uh, And I'm a kid who used to run around doing, you know, please, I can't do it anymore. God, that's so annoying. But it is that annoying was, now. That was the yeah baby of 1988. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he... And and about halfway through the movie, they try to kind of humanize him a little bit. And I love that interaction he has where he's like, you know, um, where he's in the bar and he's been performing and making them laugh. And then Judge Doom comes in and they're hiding in the back room. Yeah. And uh, Eddie Valiant's trying to say, oh, this dude's going to rat you out. And he's, he doesn't. Then he's not. He's and not going to rat totally me out. He totally does a like, Harvey why? reference. Because you made him laugh. That's yeah. right. Uh-huh. And it comes back again where uh, he asks Jessica Rabbit. Mm-hmm. She's like, what do you even see in that guy? He makes, he me, makes laugh. me laugh. Mm-hmm. And Sometimes it's the most powerful thing. He's funny. I think the the funniest Roger gets is at the very beginning in the short where he's supposed to okay. be watching Baby Herman. I love the way the film begins because uh-huh. it's totally it, it's a nice way to lull you into this world. Uh-huh. It's like let's just start it off with a flat out cartoon. Let's yeah. start you up with what you know, what you're familiar with. Although I wish the Warner Brothers. Mo- uh, Cartoons that we grew up on looked as beautiful look, as this it was look. Gorgeous, the man. fucking the, they're doing like camera moves, uh-huh. and you can see the three dimensionality of yeah. the objects. Well, just the rich color palette, uh, yes, is outstanding. It looks like they had computers helping with some of the geometry. It's so mm-hmm. precise, and yet, nope, this is all done traditionally two D. Uh, and it, yeah, you're right, and I love the way. Remember, they had like a couple other shorts, like. They yeah. did Roger Rabbit shorts for other Warner Brothers Roller movies Coaster around that time. Rabbit, I Roller think was Coaster one of them. Rabbit, 
And there was one other one. It was like a dentist one. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I can't remember what it was called. But yeah, they, they were really trying to bank on this Roger yeah. Rabbit thing. You go see Operation Dumbo Drop. Yeah, and there was a, there was a Roger Rabbit movie. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there was... Oh, man, that was But cool. I, I, I love that opening sequence and makes it all the way through this... This this cartoon, and uh-huh. then you realize, and then you hear a director yell "cut," and all of a sudden we're on this set, and, and fucking Baby Herman just <laughs> yeah. turns into this foul mouthed cigar chomping. I I love the idea that like that Roger got his line wrong. The director's like, "No, Baby Herman, you're beautiful. It's Roger. He yeah. flubbed his line again. Roger, you're seeing. You're supposed to see stars, not birds. Not birds. Stars, Pleaty birds." <laughs> uh, uh, but but yeah, one of the flaws is that you know. For a movie that's called Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the, at least a problem that I had, he didn't get a whole lot of camera time. Uh, he was a Jar Jar Binks-ish character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, also, the rules weren't always consistent about, like, you know, Judge Doom comes into the bar and he's like, Toons can't resist this. And he does the shave and a haircut. And I'm like, okay, if but Toons you're... can't resist it, the hyenas seem to be resisting it just fine. Good point. And you're resisting it. That's a good point. So, and, and also... Who the fuck is Judge Doom? I know. And why did he want to do what he was doing? And that's we were watching again last night, and Jenna was like, so why did he want to do And I was like, it's it, it just yeah. because we needed a bad guy. Because we needed a villain. And I would have loved to have seen him out of costume, because we we get hints of it. As we see the animated eyes, cartoon like, villain. Just rip the entire thing off, and let's see what this humanoid looking like. What if it's like Bozo the Clown? You know, yeah. What if he looks like? Uh-huh. Th- that would have been a nice reveal. And I'm sure there was no company in the world that would have been like, okay, we're cool with you using this character right. well, it, I mean it could have been a completely new character that's yeah. fine I just wanted to see that design yeah like I was waiting for that moment we mm-hmm. never saw it because apparently he can like turn his arm into buzzsaws which was fucking awesome it is terrifying it's man. so cool and and the fact that like when Christopher Lloyd gets flattened by yes. that thing and he gets back up and yeah. like that technically is so cool to see like then now they're incorporating stop motion into this yep Holy shit, like, will they never stop impressing me with this film? I think they said uh, that they used every special effect technique that was available. Like, literally uh-huh. every effect technique available in 1980. Yeah. There, there's a sense that you, when you watch... Let me use Empire Strikes Back as an example. Okay. Where Mark Hamill is basically acting with a puppet that entire movie. Mm-hmm. And he does, a, he does a good job, I think, for the most part. He of does course. a good job. But there are... There are things that, like, you feel like, wow, he probably would have done a lot better if he was acting versus, like, a human on set instead of a puppet. But at least he had a practical puppet to work with. he had that kind of Mark Wahlberg sense of childlike (laughs) sensibilities. What I'm trying to say is, though, I think that that Bob Hoskins does really fucking well. Dude, fucking nailed it. He puts himself in this world acting against nothing acting against fucking balls on sticks just the the entire fucking movie yeah when he's in toontown like i'm imagining what those days shooting for bob hoskins must have yeah. been like when they decided okay this mo- this week we're doing the toontown sequences and, and he fucking nails it he does such a great job phone's ringing dude <laughs> <laughs> thank you donnie <laughs> and originally they were gonna they had a, they had a plan b they were gonna have him animated they were like okay if this doesn't work out this live action Mixing with two, we're just going to animate Bob Hoskins and have wow. him animate. So when he goes into Toontown, you become an animated figure. That's wild. And um, I'm glad they stuck m- with him being me like too that. because it, it it makes everything and just the, the watching a human walk around in this world and uh-huh. interact. And he he kind of does become a tune when he's in the elevator with Droopy Dog. Yes, and uh, going. Uh, 
and he like gets smushed into Watch the bottom the step, sir. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Your floor, sir. <laughs> I just love that sequence and uh, seeing all that. He he knocks his head on the car door, and like the little Tweety birds, yes, are circling uh, above his head. Suddenly, when he's in Toontown. He has to live by the rules right. in Toontown. Yeah. Like when he walks in the bathroom and it's out of order and there's no floor. Yeah. And he's he just standing in the air for a little bit. Until he, he realizes. Waits, then falls, but his hat's still up in the air. <laughs> he has enough Grabs room. it. Exactly. I love that shit. Falls forever. No, they, they do a great job adhering to the rules of each of these worlds. So yeah, the, those, those are a couple of the flaws. I, I don't think Bob Hoskins... I mean, if he was still with us, I don't think oh. he. I don't think that he should have done any uh, scenes without a shirt on. That was a little that, distracting. That was a little weird. Who's more distracting to see shirtless, him or Kylo Ren from the Last Jedi? Uh, Bob Hoskins, because <laughs> he is hairy Oof. and big. Yeah. So you're like, ooh, um, okay. Um, yeah. Also, also weird to see him uh, standing next to Dolores, like the <laughs> yes, love interest. She's like two feet just taller, than towering that. over him. <laughs> That's he, why their um, kissing scene is them sitting down in the theater. He's kind of a a horrible hero, though. Yeah? Yeah, well, when well. he's he's in R.K. Maroon's office and he's interrogating him, mm-hmm. and he sees the gun, and he ducks out of the way, but <laughs> doesn't, he doesn't, like, he doesn't like pull R.K. Maroon down to the floor with him. Yeah. It's like, come on, Eddie, what... You just let this dude get fucking murdered. Fight or flight, you know, survival instinct <laughs> kicks in. You don't I, have time to think so. about those things. I mean, he, he used to be a cop, though. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Serve and protect. Those are the old days. Those are the old days. You're right. He's been jaded by life. Man. You know, in a lot of uh, adult situations, uh, watching it again, uh, I haven't seen this film in like 20 years, uh, watching it again and uh, when they show the the white chalk outline of where Acme, Marvin Acme was laying, (laughs) where the safe is just, like, first of all, there should be just be blood splattered everywhere. So, like, they're kind of cleaning it up, and yet they're painting a very vivid picture of what happened to this person. And I was always very disturbed by the patty cake sequence. Even as a child, even though it's it's kind of a substitute for for, uh, fornication. Mm Mm-hmm. You still knew what it was. Yeah. And it's really... Uh, Chet and I were sitting there next to each other and uh, just watching uh, Marvin Acme get all worked up and like spritzing himself down with yeah. cologne when a fucking cartoon woman is about to come on. A little, little weird. A little awkward. <laughs> I thought it was fine. I think it's, it works within the context of the film, but, but when, you t- when, you, when you stand back and look at it, you're like, this is some fucked up shit, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. N- now They're my mind is like... Some of this. Yeah, exactly. Like, what are they... How... Man, what would it be like to have sex with a cartoon? But I've been asking myself that same question. I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> I guess we we could go to Reddit and find but out. But Looney Tunes continued that on. Like when they did Space Jam and created the Lola Bunny character. Yeah, like but... They kind of sexualized her too. But that's okay because it's cartoon on car- cartoon sex. Like a human... Oh, you don't like to mix... You don't want to mix species. <laughs> okay. Well, going back to our segregation theme. No, uh, it just... It, it made me imagine things that maybe I shouldn't be imagining. They weren't fucking. They were playing patty cake. Sure, we all know. What I that don't means. want to imagine tunes fucking other tunes. No, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Roger and I do love that. Like among the tunes, it was that like he was the catch. That like right. that Jessica Rabbit was lucky because he was the catch. Yeah, I liked that. Uh-huh. Uh, I-, I wanted to talk about one other thing. Go back to like why tunes. You know the the rules about shaving a haircut. Yeah, and why that only applied to Roger. Uh, so now talking about the hyenas, mm-hmm. how Judge Doom is always like, you know, stop laughing or else you're going to die like your weasel cousins yep. um, or the weasels and their hyena cousins. cousins. Yeah. Um, so 
is that I want to know is that a rule for all tunes? All tunes. Like if they keep laughing, will yeah. all tunes die because if they keep laughing? Goofy should be dead a hundred times over. Yes. He fucking laughs at himself constantly. Uh huh. Yeah. So there's that's a little bit of a science. That Woody they don't, Woodpecker. They don't really explain. They just like okay, it's just these characters, I guess. Because um, they're evil tunes. And also Tweety Bird's a dick. Fuck Tweety Bird. Tweety Bird's a dick, but he's so adorable. Fuck Tweety Bird. Uh oh, weighing out of pity. You know what? Looney Tunes, Tweety Bird, and fucking Roadrunner. They're the reason why I root for villains. Yeah? Like, it's Sylvester the Cat, Wiley Coyote. I just want them to fucking win, man. Well, they're the ones who are uh, trying to be murdered. Like, I don't have a lot of sympathy for uh, Sylvester. Eddie Valiant wasn't trying to murder Tweety Bird. Uh, well, okay, true. Well, yeah. yeah, but that's just a... He grew up on the hard, on this <laughs> hard knock life, Joe, of being a Tweety Bird. Yeah. In a cartoon world. All right. What... Do you know anything about, like, the the deal that was put in place... Between Disney and Warner Brothers, like the the ratio of like what characters. Yes. So I was hoping that you'd have researched specifically this. when it came to Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse, um, and then Donald Duck and Daffy Duck, they had to be on screen like literally the same amount of time. Uh-huh. So which is why anytime you see Bugs and Mickey, they're always together. They're always front and center. Uh-huh. One doesn't have dominance over the other. I think they even have this, the equal number of lines. Okay, um, and they're always kind of on the same team. Uh-huh. Um, as far as negotiations go, I think that was one of the main points of contention everything else was fairly fair game mm-hmm. which is which is just mind-boggling today when <laughs> we can't get fucking spider-man in a marvel <laughs> movie for 10 years yeah and we can't get the x-men uh-huh. uh, together with all the other marvel characters right like all these uh licenses that are signed back and forth uh, again this is never going to happen again in history mm-hmm. now it, it became obvious to me it was like the very end when and this is back i'm talking about when i was a kid like it was mm-hmm. like wow they it's like they can't do one without the other one having a little bit of time too, and it was the very end where Porky Pig does his uh, "That's all, folks," and then but then Tinkerbell comes yeah, out and kind of boom. always got to have the last laugh. And the thing is, like, that's perfect. But though. I loved that. It ending. had to be that way. Even watching it again, I was like, "That is the only way you could end this film." Yes, with the "That's all, folks," and, and then, then here tink. comes Tinkerbell. Yeah, oh, the man. merging of two worlds. So yeah, dude. This, despite the flaws discussed. I still think this is it. This is an example of a perfect movie. It's hard to call it perfect. It's not not for me. Not for me. Not yeah. for me. <laughs> no, go ahead. But I'm trying to think of where it's uneven. Well, obviously there are a couple of deleted scenes here. There's that moment where um, where well, Jessica Rabbit, you see up her dress, and they cut that up. Is that <laughs> yeah. what you're going to talk about? No, no. Although the scene where she shows up in his office, there's a very jarring edit from the previous scene because they they edited out a sequence in between. That's right. That tied some things together. Um, like he's taking a shower. I can't remember what the deleted scene was. Mm-hmm. I should have looked that up. I'll put it on the Facebook page. Go to Facebook. But you're right. It is like he's at the bar or something. Or... And then the next thing we know, he's got a shirt off. Yeah. And here comes Jessica Rabbit. Um, and it's, they kind of had to hide a deleted scene in there. I mean, I'm. I guess I'm. Are you nitpicking? I am nitpicking a little bit because there are still some moments where I was I was a little annoyed by the character. And maybe it comes. You know what? I think I can pinpoint it just to Roger Rabbit himself. Yeah. Like, he's not... He's not simple that you don't care about as Eddie lovable. saving Roger. Yeah. He kind of got on my nerves. I, I can see that. <laughs> Even as a child. He doesn't get... You know what? He comes so close. He skirts that line with mm-hmm. me, but he still stays on on the Toontown side. Like, I get it. For some reason, I get it, and I give him a pass for this. I can go back and watch this movie uh, another hundred times yeah. and still love it. I love it. I really thought that I was going to come back to this movie and see a lot of flaws and be like, fuck, man, what did I see in this? Or, man, there's a lot of problems. 
I I could watch this over and over again. There are there are movies like this that come across come along maybe once every couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the same thing that I'll say about like Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Right. There's your Scott Pilgrim. There's your Mad Max Fury Road. There's Zombieland. Uh, there's uh, God, what else? Um, <laughs> even the first Hot Tub Time Machine. Like there are <laughs> movies that I can watch over and over and a gross point blank that I can watch over and over and over again because. They're a mixture of, like, a new way of telling a story. It's a fresh way of putting a film together. Uh, something that, like, I'll enjoy every time because there's just something about it that's unique and fun and nothing else has really touched it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these movies kind of have a little bit of that magic. It's why I go see movies because this intangible. And this movie was, I think, the first film uh, that... As I grew up, like I saw Empire Strikes Back when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and that movie's magical to me as well. But this is probably the first movie that I saw when you know I could really kind of dive into it and understand who the characters were and understood. Like I, you know, I told you once, I would for a few years I thought every movie was supposed to be Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, <laughs> yes. and Princess Leia, and this is me now coming off of that. You know, and I'm old enough to understand. Like these are, this is an art form, and mm-hmm. these are, these are, this is kind of a special thing that all these characters that don't always belong in the same world are suddenly sharing the same space. And holy crap, you know, this is this is crazy. And it's it's that movie where when I was, you know, in my early teens, I'd watch it and I'd pause the screen mm-hmm. and see if I could, you know, identify who all the animated characters yeah, are, absolutely. especially at that very end when they bust the wall down. We did that last night watching it, and we yeah. rewound that scene and paused it. And, oh, look, there's Dumbo in the background and there's a uh, Peter and the Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I I love the concept so much that there's this this tune world living alongside us that we can go to and visit and how do humans and tunes interact that I feel like it kind of has its hands tied with this film noir uh story that it's trying to tell. Yeah. Like I I you mentioned the Matrix earlier. I kind of felt this way with the Matrix 2 where you know by the time the first Matrix ends like it's like oh wow we, this whole film was introduced to this world, this concept. Now we get it. Now the sky's the limit. Yeah. Fucking Neo can fly. Like, uh-huh. where do we go from here? And then the second one was such a disappointment because it's like, well, we kind of retread things from the first film and didn't really take it anywhere. Like, my imagination... It made, it made The Matrix more claustrophobic. It really did, yeah. Uh-huh. It's like the prequel movies. Yeah. Uh, my imagination was was bigger than what they did with the concept. And I kind of feel that way, too, here. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to see these characters in 1947... <laughs> Prohibition talking Man. about like uh, building a freeway, but that's getting like, rid of the red car. That's kind of the golden age of these characters. No, I, I get it, and I get and I understand why they did it. And, and of course, it's based on a uh, on a pre existing novel, so there's only so many liberties you can take. But one of the things I, I like about Space Jam, which are words I never thought I would <laughs> utter. <laughs> Is that it took that concept, but kind of did something different with it. And yeah. it's like, oh, we're no longer in the 1940s. We're now. And it's Michael Jordan. And there's and Bill Murray. Murray. And Bill Murray. <laughs> um, and while that is not a successful movie, listen to our Space Jam episode. Right? Didn't we do Space yeah, Jam? Yeah, sure did. It was the best recast that year. Oh, yeah? What did I do for Space I, Jam? Yours? It was my... Oh, it was I the won best, the best recast. What was your best recast? It was the Muppets, the cast of the Muppets. <gasps> yes! And they did Spaceball. Spaceball, and it was like baseball instead. Yes. Oh, that was... Yeah, listen to our uh, Space, Space Jam, Jam episode. episode from, God, what, 2015? Yeah, man. I'll have to repost that it's one. a long time ago. Um, so, I guess maybe that's my one complaint. Is that the first... You know, if this film didn't begin and I'm talking about Roger Rabbit now, uh-huh. with that opening animated sequence, it would be a good 30 minutes before we kind of got get back into 
this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, now we're just following this private dick around. I, I well, talking about his dead brother. I, <laughs> God forbid he has a character arc. No, I'm just because saying, as a, Roger doesn't. Roger no, does not have a character arc. So no. he needed to have somebody in this movie that did. Although he does and find you know his what? bravery. Bob in Hoskins the end. does a fucking fantastic job. Mm-hmm. He does so good, man. I like. I don't. I feel like I haven't said enough about how good he is in this movie. And you mentioned Bill Murray. Uh, before they that was the original casting. Like yeah. Apparently Spielberg and Zemeckis wanted Bill Murray. I don't think that would have been bad. No, I don't think it would have been bad. He could have done it as well, but but then it would have been Bill Murray. That uh, movie exactly. about Bill Murray with a bunch of cartoon characters. Exactly. Instead, Bob Hoskins wasn't like a household name. No. So it made it way easier for you to get involved in this movie. And, and you can't it. state enough like how he he was able to not only uh, act against nothing, which is you know even the great Ewan McGregor had trouble doing uh-huh. in, in the prequels sometimes, uh, although the director maybe, <laughs> but getting the eye line right, getting yeah. the eyesight, and there's a difference between looking at something that's ten feet away from you and looking at something that's ten inches away from you, and the way that your eyes kind of meet in the middle. Looking he at was, it and believing you're seeing, absolutely, uh-huh. and then having to do all the technical things on top of it, like oh, don't sp- spread your fingers apart because then the animators have to paint in between your fingers. Keep it your fist together. Yeah, hit your marks. Hit. Uh, there, there's that one scene where again they're uh, in the the hiding space uh-huh. behind the bar, uh, and they go in there, and uh, the light is swinging back and forth, uh-huh. and uh, Dolores stops it. I, I love that, that moment. Really but if. Uh, one of the things that makes it so believable, besides uh, Bob Hoskins' performance, is the way that the the effects people and the animators are treating light. Because the the same way that the shadows are extending as that light is swinging back and forth, it's happening to Roger Rabbit too. Yeah, and the shading is is changing on his ears. Man, again, there will never be another film like this. No, no. Um, there there were a couple of uh, a, a couple of bits that I was really impressed with, and it's like when they were in the club. And Jessica's doing her song, and she's coming around to, to Acme. Yes! Uh, she pinches she his pinches cheeks. pinches his cheeks. And I sat there going, how the fuck? How the fuck did they... Because someone's clearly pinching his cheeks. Yeah. Did they put someone in a green suit and then have them do all this stuff and then composite him, composite them out? I think so. Yeah? Yeah. Because, you know, she's like... She, and then she grabs the, the pocket square. Yeah, and, and it's like rubbing his head with his it. his head, yeah. She pulls uh, Eddie Valiant's tie. Uh-huh. And I think there's little robotics sometimes they were using yeah. and then painting over, but, but it's man, fucking seamless, dude. It is. It's so good. Um, and here we are, what, 30 years later? Yeah. Right? <laughs> and it's, it's still impressive as hell, man. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other notes on this? I do not. Okay. Then let me ask you this. Mm. What did Who Framed Roger Rabbit do right? Uh, I mean, I, I'm just going to restate what we've said before, but uh, it's while I won't go so far as you will and to call it a perfect film, um, it is a marvel that this film ever got made, mm-hmm. you know, just from the, the behind-the-scenes deals that had to be done. Yeah. Uh, and then just from a creative standpoint, mm-hmm. like taking all these characters and not making it feel like the Ready Player One of animated cartoons. Yeah. Like, uh, all those characters mostly were kind of there for a reason uh-huh. and played a part, and they were really good at introducing new... Like, you think going into it, like, oh, I get to see Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse, but really, you come out of it with, like, oh, the bullets in the gun. Like, I love that <laughs> <Dum-dums>. scene. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've got the old uh, Western bullets. Uh, you went that away. <laughs> well, let's go get him. Uh, that's funny. Everything about this film. I'm saying. I just, I just love the concept. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what I thought that the movie did right along those same lines, man. It's, it, it again, <laughs> I can't pinpoint just one thing. The writing. I thought the writing was balanced. I thought yeah. it was great. 
the the production. I mean, I can go back and and just you know read a little bit of my my notes and stuff here. Yeah. But I I talk about uh, how the, it, it's it's smart in the way that it sets things up. Uh, it, it's smart in the way that it uses the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the the fucking when we go to the Acme factory at the end, like just that whole set piece is fucking brilliant. Yes. And just the production design alone on this movie is gorgeous. And I think it's smart that they picked, you know, that they decided to go with the book storyline that it's 1947. Mm -hmm. It's a golden age because at that time, I mean, we're watching cartoons before movies, Bugs Bunny right before a big movie, Mickey Mouse right before a big movie. So it makes sense that these guys would be part of studios and they would be treated just like a Ben Affleck, right? Just like a Jack Nicholson. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so they create that magic. They make, made these cartoon characters the movie stars and i love this world i love this world that we live in where you know tunes have come into our world and been discovered by hollywood Mm -hmm. and now we're making movies we're exploiting them just like hollywood exploits everything else but we're exploiting them to to create entertainment and then we go to a place where they come from Mm -hmm. and it's this chaotic dangerous dark place but it's also fun and you want to be there they do the same thing that they do in all of the movies around that time where it's a fish out of water thing where someone comes back in time. It's the same concept where someone comes to our world, to Earth, right. and then maybe 10 minutes of it is spent where we go back to their world. And that's kind of like what's going on here, except there's a killer fucking story and there's a lot of heart and uh, and, and not just heart in the story, but you could tell that this is a, a project, a passion project oh, yeah. for all 300 animators that we're yes. talking about. The fucking Robert Zemeckis. For everybody that was involved in this movie, it is a labor of love, and it comes across on the screen. The the ending credits uh, were notorious, and I don't even know that they've been beat today. Yeah. Uh, but the, the longest ending credits of like a <laughs> film, just because they had to list all of those fucking animators that worked yeah. on this thing. Uh, what did... Who framed Roger Rabbit do wrong? I just thought of something that I still want to talk about, so we'll come back to it. But what did the movie do wrong? You know what? I'll, I'll say this. As magical as it is, there are a few moments where um, you kind of see behind the curtain a little bit. Mm-hmm. Where the eyeline isn't just right. Or the physics aren't quite right. You know, when the big gorilla throws Bob Hoskins out of the bar, you can clearly tell that like he's suspended on wires. I feel like with today's technology they would have been able to do it better. Uh-huh. Um, and while I like that kind of crudeness about it, it's still like, oh, yeah, I, I can tell that the, the this character doesn't have the same weight that it would if it, if it actually existed. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm nitpicking here because I want it to be perfect. Yeah. Um, you, you know what? And I guess an overarching theme is the unevenness of some of the animation. Uh-huh. Some of these scenes are animated superbly. Yeah. Like uh, the the... the Practical effects married with the animation on top of it mm-hmm. just are fucking seamless. And then other times, some of the animation looks a little ugly. Yeah. Um, I mean, Roger Rabbit is very uneven uh, himself. Some Sometimes he looks great, and then other times you got the B team. Uh-huh. You, can, you can tell are just cranking through frames. Sure. Um, and it's the difference between, you know, the polished Disney animated films of the 90s with the Don Bluth animated films of the 90s uh-huh. that are just like, oh, something seems a little bit off. Right. That juxtaposition is uh, a little jarring. That's my one complaint. Uh, I guess my complaint is going to come back to Judge Doom and yeah. what was the motivation? Weep. That's, that's it, it's, it's a very one-dimensional villain, uh, very mustache twirly, and in a movie that gives you so much in such a short amount of time, too, this is a quick movie. Yeah, buck 35, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, 
for for it to fit as much as it does and do so well in establishing the character and motivations of Eddie Valiant without having to say much, they don't do too well in establishing Judge Doom and who he is. Like what cards? And they even say at the end, they're like, "I wonder who, wonder he, who was. he was." Yeah, and I hated that. Like that. That's <laughs> yeah. a line I really didn't like. It felt a little cop outish. Um, so if I have to pick something that I think the movie did wrong, it's just how they handled Judge Doom. Right. And I would have rather had like, oh, it was this character. And like you said, for him to finally at the end take off his human costume yeah. and be a cartoon character. Um, and which leads me to I wanted to touch on this because I feel like we didn't do him enough justice. Christopher Lloyd. Oh, yeah. As Judge Doom in this movie. Just outstanding performance. Like if someone is... I mean, Eddie Valiant, he's that character, he's the, the actor that nobody really knew, and he came in and he's anchoring this movie. You've got Christopher Lloyd, who's worked with Zemeckis before, mm-hmm. obviously, mm-hmm. Uh, and plays a character unlike anything you've seen Christopher Lloyd do. Uh, yeah, he really plays a villain. He plays a villain, he's imposing, mm-hmm. he's dark, he's dangerous, he gives you that feeling of dread while you're watching him. Um, yeah, they had originally wanted uh, John Cleese, but they figured like he wouldn't be... Menacing Dangerous enough, enough. yeah. yeah. Uh, but Christopher Lloyd is so great, and he's doing just as good a job working with the animated characters mm-hmm. as Bob Hoskins is. I agree because he's got those those henchmen weasels that he, he's running around, and you know Christopher Lloyd totally gets it when he reveals himself in Toontown as the villain. Yeah, and he take, and I'm like, he's eating this up. These guys are eating this up, and like I said, that's one of the things where you can have like in the Star Wars prequels where someone's eyeline is right, mm-hmm. but you could tell that they don't believe that they're talking to this sure. thing. They're not. They're not putting forth that extra twenty percent right. in that acting job to like really make it make it believable. You know, believe that heft, believe that weight, believe something's there taking up that space. Uh, you and McGregor didn't do that. But Christopher Lloyd did. Bob Hoskins did. Uh-huh. Half, uh, you know what? The woman who played Dolores. Yeah, she did. was great. Yeah, she's really good. Uh, and a lot of great sight gags. And a lot of breaking of the fourth wall in this movie. Yes. Like, I just can't say, say enough good things. Like, the whole bit with the handcuffs where Eddie Valiant, where Roger takes his, his hand out. And Eddie's like, you could have done that anytime. <laughs> no. He's like, no, only when it was funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so great. Like, this is really clever. And it's, it's this- winking at the audience, but it's not pandering isn't this supposed to be the uh, what it did wrong segment of the show it is but again <laughs> I, I just i can't i can't say enough about how much uh, it's a perfect movie to me all right it, it, despite its flaws can the flaws make it a perfect movie as well i, I uh, like that all right so if we were going to remake who framed roger rabbit Ooh. how would we do that Joel? well we've got nine characters now yes sir uh, i have gone and match your uh, recast um, so I don't know who's the lowest on the list. Um, Probably Benny the Cab. Benny the Benny. Which we did. Benny. <laughs> Benny in the, the cab. cab. Uh, we didn't really talk about that, but that's another cool effect because so they neat. basically built this little mini go kart that uh, that they just uh, animated over it. Yeah, well, there's a driver like cramped in there in, <laughs> in the front of it that like it could have been killed in any moment. <laughs> Uh, and then you've got Bob Hoskins, like with the, like doesn't even have a steering wheel. I yeah. think to act with, yeah, just, just acting like hands he has the in wheel. front. Yeah, that's so good. So good. Uh, but he's he's got that thick New York accent, uh-huh. Benny. Who's your recast for? Benny I cast. Uh, are you familiar with Curb Your Own Curb Your Enthusiasm? I am. You you know the Jeff Garland? Yes, act, yeah, that's him. Nice. Man. Jeff Garland is yeah. Benny the Cab. He's got the voice. Uh, well, my uh, my first reaction was going to say um, another Ben. Is it your reaction or is it Jenna's? It, no, no. This this one was my original. Uh, she Ben usurped it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do another Ben who drives a cab. 
You ever see Adam a, Driver? A show called Cash Cab? No. That used to what? No, I've you've never, never heard it. of the Cash Cab? I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Dude, it's a great. It's a little yeah. uh, game show. Um, where in the, a cab. In a cab, basically. Okay. Yeah, the cab picks you up, and surprise, you're on a game show that happens right in my cab, and he asks questions, little trivia questions, and. If you make it to your destination without getting three strikes, you get like X amount of dollars. Great show. Oh, nice. They've been rerunning it on the Game Show Network, oddly enough. But I think it was on Discovery. TSN, ladies and gentlemen. But the uh, the host of that was a guy named Ben Bailey, who's a, like a stand-up comedian that they got to do this show. And uh, he would always psych out the people who came into the cab because they, they spring it on them after they've already gotten in and uh, uh, told them their destination. But he always plays this like, he'll, he'll hunch over and he'll do this <gasps> voice like, hey man, where you want to go? And he sounds just like Benny the Cab. That's but, cool. But that is not my real recast. Okay, who is it? Uh, I brought him up to mention that he's now a Twitter follower, by the way. So thanks, Ben Bailey, for following us on oh, Twitter. Oh, hey, cool. Uh, <laughs> I love your show. Even though, you know, <laughs> We love your show, uh, but you are not my recast for Benny the Cab, unfortunately. Uh, and I had to give it to Jenna because in the last minute, she came up with Brad Garrett. Brad Garrett from Everybody I'm Loves Brad Raymond. Brad Garrett. Yeah, that's right. He's got yeah. an unmistakable voice. Well, now I feel like Ray Romano would have been a good recast. That's another good one, too. That's good. Maybe he'll come up. The whole cast of Everybody Loves <laughs> Raymond <laughs> on TBS. How about, uh, who you got next? Uh, next, I have Baby Herman. Baby Herman. Oh, I didn't do him. Damn it. You didn't do Baby Herman? Well, there you go. Ray Romano. Voiced by Will Arnett. Oh, that's Dude. fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that's to me, that's, that's oh, obvious. Well, then, uh, here you go. Uh, how about uh, Better Call Saul? How about uh, Bob Odenkirk? Bob Odenkirk. That's a good one. It's Baby Herman. Uh, I have next. My my list isn't in order of importance. Uh, I've also got, uh, I have, next I have Judge Doom, but I could do R.K. Maroon. Let's do R.K. Maroon. Uh, my R.K. Maroon played by John Goodman. Oh, I like it. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. How about uh, Rowan Atkinson? How about Rowan Atkinson? That's mine, yeah. Dude, that's so funny. I went back and watched some old Mr. Bean episodes. He's hilarious. I remember when and Comedy Central used to run Mr. Bean. That's right. And I used to hate it. I don't know why. I didn't get the because physical it, comedy it at the time. Because it felt foreign. Uh-huh. That's why. You're like, this is this is off. Now I watch it, and it fucking slays me. Yeah. And I, I curse the young version of me going, why didn't you appreciate this when you were a kid? Yeah. He's so fucking funny, man. It's so good. Uh, all right. Next, Marvin Acme. Let's do it. Josh Gad. Oh, that's great. Uh-huh. Playing uh-huh. patty cake with yeah, Jessica Rabbit. Yeah, playing patty cake with Jessica Rabbit. Uh, I went with uh, Patton Oswalt. That's a good one. Yeah, right? Holy He's shit. He's already kind of in love with pop culture anyway. Yeah. I could see him wanting to fuck a cartoon. Oh, dude, that'd be so good. <laughs> uh, all right, who do you have next? Uh, how about Dolores? Dolores. Uh, I've got three that I, I couldn't really um, figure out. And all three of them, I, I call them my uh, my Scott Pilgrim trifecta. Oh, uh-oh. Because it's either Anna Kendrick. Yes. Mary Elizabeth Winston. Yes. Or Aubrey Plaza. Oh my God, Aubrey Plaza! All three of them would be so fucking good in that role. So I can't pick one. What if we did like a uh, uh, what was that movie, the the Magic Emporium of, of Doctor Parnassus or, or Doctor <laughs> Yeah, Doctor Parnassus, where Heath Ledger died in the middle and they got that's like right. three it's Johnny other actors. Depp, uh, uh, Colin Farrell, that's right, and yeah. Heath Ledger. What if in like every scene, so we have to kill one of these? She was played. One of these- <laughs> No, actors. I think if I had to pick one, I'd probably go with uh, Mary Elizabeth. I Winston. think so too. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to see her in that era. Uh, also, how about uh, Jennifer Garner in that era? Oh, that's too. good. Yeah, yeah, that's that was really a Jenna pick, and she hates Jennifer Garner. Why? Because uh, she's she she kind of comes off. As you fake. didn't like Alias? Did you ever watch Alias? She's fine in Alias. You should watch that, man. She's doing like American it's Express J. J. commercials Abrams. now. Dude, so what? Uh, she just got to make a living. She, she seems very inauthentic. Fucking Ben Affleck left her and the kids high and dry. Yeah, I know, but still, there's something a little off-putting about her. How do you feel about Ben Affleck? Uh, he, I love 
Wow, she's Whoa. on Team Affleck. That's something you don't hear Affleck. nowadays. Affleck. Well, because of Good Will Hunting. <laughs> that was 20 years ago. Applesauce, bitch. That's true. He's yeah. fantastic. So is his cock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Spoiler alert. Did I ever tell you what I do with that movie? When I, I always imagine it's I'm Barney Stinson. Afraid that yeah. this is what happened to Barney Stinson. <laughs> When Neil Patrick Harris gets killed, spoiler alert, yeah. when Neil Patrick oh Harris gets killed in that movie, I'm like, this is what happens to Barney Stinson. Oh, wow. Like, I just wanted him to play that whole movie as Barney Stinson. He kind of is playing yeah. a, a toned-down version of that character. <laughs> oh. Okay, who do we have next? We, have, we did Dolores. Let's do... Um, I've got Judge Doom. Let's do Jessica Rabbit. Jessica Rabbit. Did you voice her? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson. Oh, she was my also-ran. Yeah. How about Angelina Jolie? Also I thought you were about to say Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is about murder. So, so write about it. You've got that going for you. Uh, Nicely yeah. done. Uh, okay, so we've got Judge Doom, Roger, and Eddie. Let's do Judge Doom. Uh, Tim Robbins. Ooh, I like that. Uh, I, have, I have two here. Um, Jenna threw out Gary Oldman. And he would be fantastic at of this. Of course, because Gary Oldman's fantastic. He is. Uh, but I kind of... Something about the voice that he's doing, especially when he turns into uh-huh. uh, Crazy Judge Doom at the end, yeah. reminded me of uh, Wallace Shawn from The Princess Bride. Inconceivable. <laughs> yes. Remember when I killed You'd like to brother? think that, wouldn't you? Exactly. <laughs> How about him as Judge? He's kind of cartoony anyway. And has voice Gas cartoons stations. before. Yeah. As far as the as eye can see. As far as the eye can see. <laughs> That's so funny. I would clearly not put this cup of dip in front of me. <laughs> oh, man, how horrifying is that? I'm still traumatized. The dip when he puts that shoe that in there? That shoe, and it's like he's lit- he's just murdering, and like even the humans are like recoiling. They can't watch this murder and happen I, in front I of them. I love the fucking little, the, the little hints that they give us throughout the entire movie. That he has to that put Judge gloves Doom on. That has to put the fucking glove on. When the dip gets knocked over. And the dip gets over. knocked over, he, he like steps back. Mm-hmm. It's like, Fuck! Dude, they're telling you this whole movie they're right showing there you. In front but of, of you. course it's this disgusting concoction, so you just assume he just doesn't want to get it on him. Yep. Oh, nope. dude, it's so fucking Something smart. Deeper there. All right, so Roger or Eddie? Let's do Roger, because okay. he, as you mentioned, is not the protagonist. Who did you cast? This film. Roger Rabbit, I went with. Uh, you know, God bless Charles Fleischman, but. Um, <laughs> Fleischman. Right? That's his name, right? Yeah. 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 Or is uh, it Fleischer? Or Fleischer. Yeah, one of them. Michelle Fleischer. Michelle Fleischer. <laughs> <laughs> Whichever one is not the butter. What? Land Lakes? No, Fleisch, Fleischman's butter, right? Another thing? I've never had that. Look it up. Google it. Google. Welcome to Google. <laughs> uh, I couldn't get past his, his voice. was a little grating in moments. Yeah. Um, I'm at best. And some... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Misa thinking, Judge Doom, we're going to buy the red car? No, no. <laughs> Misa, no killing. <laughs> it's a little it's, pre- it's pretty close yeah uh, but instead I went with a, a voice actor who's no stranger to uh, to cartoons uh, and one of my Vin favorite cartoons Diesel. is Animaniacs and oh, God, my favorite yes. character is Yakko yeah the voice, uh, voiced by Rob Paulson who also did uh, Donatello uh-huh. from the Ninja Turtles cartoon back and in the day did, wasn't he Pinky 
of uh, Pinky maybe. and the Brain. He does tons of, of cartoon voices. He was just in town. Like he's he no, battled, that's right. He battled cancer, like a really bad form of cancer, a, a throat cancer yeah. too, right? Yeah. Um, and he was just in town. He did like a, a whole like review of like all the characters. Oh and no way! Yeah, but I love the 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 Yakko voice, that he, which is kind of the closest to his own voice, I think. Uh-huh. Um, but the, that Yakko character, like I want to see. In fact, just fuck off with Roger Rabbit and make it Who Framed Yakko. <laughs> Yakko Warner. So, so Rob Paulson. Rob Paulson. Uh, all right. I had a couple. His name was Rob Paulson. His name was Silent Bob. Um, <laughs> so uh, I had a couple of people that I was thinking. Mm. When I first started watching the movie, I was like, you know, it would be fun. Mm. Ryan Reynolds would be a fun Roger Rabbit. What? Yeah. Interesting. The, the dude, with what he's done with Deadpool, like the voice work he does with Deadpool. Yeah. All right. And then I kind of had the same feeling as you, though. I was like, he's Ryan Reynolds. People are going to kind of, they're going to pinpoint too it. acerbic. Yeah. For... Uh, and then I also went T.J. Miller. <laughs> I was like, T.J. Miller would be super fun, especially after the voice work he did in, uh, in Ready Player One. Speaking of which. Uh, and then I was like, fuck them. Those guys have money. They've got job security. <laughs> I know another voice actor who does cartoons, and that's me. You. I want to be the voice of Roger Rabbit. Let's hear your pleas. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> so I put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, you put me on the spot. No, you're right. It's funny because yeah. I took that breath and I was like, oh, no, no, I'm not going to do it right now. Thank you for not doing that. Because I know the moment I do it, it's going to fucking whiff. You do have a like, great no. voice. That'd be awesome. So I would like to be Roger Rabbit. Maybe just as my voice. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think oh, you shit. need to do Please, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> I just turned him into a foul mouth Roger Rabbit. Uh, Fuck this, man. <laughs> oh, I love that. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, so that leaves us Eddie Valiant. Let's do it. I've got, t- I've got two, two choices here. I do too. Okay. Uh, I, that's weird. Like I just couldn't. I love this movie so much, and I'm like, ah, there's so many options. Uh, my lesser of the two is uh, Mark Strong, balding Mark Strong, because oh. uh, he he usually plays a heavy. Sometimes he yeah. plays a villain, but uh, I like him in Kingsman. Yeah, where he kind of plays a he's 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 a hero. He was in John Carter. Uh, he was he in plays, John. He's Carter. one of the villains in John Carter. That's right. But I'd like to see him be a, a hero again. That'd be really good. Who was the other one? Uh, Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo, we, I, and maybe it's because I just watched um, Thor Ragnarok, Zodiac. Well, oh, Zodiac. And, and that as well. Wouldn't it be cool if he became the Hulk in Zodiac? Like, <laughs> that, like that would just be a total fucking tur- left ending. turn in that movie. Where you're like, I, I did not see that coming. Wow. That's, that subverted my expectations. <laughs> uh, all right, so my uh, my Eddie Valiant. Uh, my options were. One of my favorites. I recast him for almost anything. Uh, I love him to death. One of my man crushes, Paul Rudd, mm. uh, who I think would be a really good Eddie Valiant. I like that. And then I thought, well, Eddie Valiant was played by a Brit. You know, yes, he Bob was. Hoskins was a Brit. Maybe right. I can keep that that going. Uh, and decided to go with uh, Sherlock's Martin Freeman. Oh man, yeah. how great! I think that Bilbo he'd, Baggins. He'd be good because you you know he's got a little bit of that uh, that fun personality, but. He also plays things very dry, so yeah, that'd be pretty fun too. I would believe him in that role. Who's directing your version? Don't have a director. Brad Bird is going to direct my. Well, Who of course, why not? Who else does uh, live action and animation? Although he Robert Zemeckis has he ever combined <laughs> them? Because uh, he's done Tomorrowland and something else, and then he's oh, done uh, The Incredibles. Are you excited about The Incredibles too? I am. I really am excited about it. I know there's a. It sounds like, like there's a butt coming. Y- well, no, I, I know that there's a, a lot of. Um, Apprehension on the part of some of my closest friends that I, whose I am opinions, one of them. yeah, whose opinions I really uh, value. Oh. And I was surprised when I, I was like, "Dude, you see that incredible scene?" And you're like, "Uh, it looks like they're gonna make the man play second fiddle." And because I'm no. a sexist <laughs> asshole, and I don't think women should, uh, you know, 
be out of the kitchen no, saving the world. That's instead not what of, it is. You know, making I, me dinner. I just hope that there's more to the movie. Make than me a that. sandwich, Helen Parr. And I, <laughs> and I have faith that there is. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I've yet to see anything in the in that trailer that has me excited about it. Yeah. Uh, and and The Incredibles is probably my favorite Pixar. It's film. a fantastic film. It's like a James Bond movie. It's like the best James Bond movie. Absolutely. Yes, uh, absolutely. And so it's going to be hard to follow that up, but he hasn't let us down yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, except Which for Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland was a, I like Tomorrowland. Oh, God. You should, you should give it another shot. Nope. Coming soon to an episode of The Editing, <laughs> the editing Bay. Bay. We already talked about it on Afternoon Delight. Oh, I was 20 there. years ago. Cut that part we out, We did Jeff. two episodes of it. We did a 10-second episode where I was like, fuck it. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and then like we, we just ended it. Uh, all right. So uh, so there we go. Yeah. Uh, Brad Bird directing it. If you guys have any thoughts about how you would recast Who Framed Roger Rabbit uh, or just thoughts about the movie in general, things that we've overlooked because we've only uh, spoken about it for an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, lots to talk uh, about. Yeah. If you, if you have any thoughts about it, let us know. Go to Facebook. Join the discussion. Facebook.com slash Editing Bay. Or in that search function, put in Editing Bay, find that image of the woman with the bleeding eyes, and click on that, and that's where you can talk back to us. Uh, again, if you have movies you want us to watch in the future, let us know about it uh, <laughs> at the uh, the Editing Bay page on Facebook. We've also got a website, right, Joel? Sure do. It's it's How do I do it? It's not the Editing <laughs> It's not the editing Bay. It's not Edit Bay. It's EditingBay.com. There Please we go. Please go there, bookmark it. You're going to find all links to our social networks, the aforementioned uh, Facebook page, and also our Twitter handle, which is at the Editing Bay. Please follow us there. You're always going to be the first to know what movie we're talking about. In fact, if you're listening to this, you already know what next week's movie's going to be. Although if you wait 90 seconds, we'll tell you what next week's movie's going to be. <laughs> uh, but all that and more on EditingBay.com. All right, cool. Uh, guys, please leave us a rating and a review on your podcasting app. Uh, just go ahead and put Editing Bay in the search function. And it's probably the same thing you're using right now to listen to it. Uh, and find the uh, that picture I was just describing. Bleeding eyes, that lady <laughs> screaming. Uh, tap on that, and that's where you could leave us a five-star rating and a review. Let us know what you like about the show. Uh, and then share it with your friends. We'd really love to 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 grow the show and uh, and let your buddies hear the the greatness that is us talking about. Because <laughs> like everybody and their fucking mom has an opinion about movies, but exactly. for some reason, our opinion is more special. Than That's right, that. because it's in podcast form. That's right, guys. And we're the only people who do this. <laughs> uh, if you have a uh, an Android device, you can always uh, find us in the iTunes library using the Podcast Addict and Podcast Republic apps. So, Joel, yes. you, you've got a plan. You, you've, like, basically... I sure do. ...getting another pick in a row because because <laughs> uh, you had you had a good plan for next week. Well, you know, it, we're, we're coming up on a on a national holiday that some of you may or may not be aware of, but uh, next week is, is 420 week, mm-hmm. uh, and we always take the opportunity it's to... It's also uh, Sarah's birthday. ...review... A, oh, that's right. Well, the, the, the two go hand in hand, that's don't right. they? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Known pot smoker, Sarah, your wife. Um... <laughs> But we always take the opportunity to do like a stoner film. I think last year we did what Super Bad, right? Mm-hmm. What else have we done? No, we didn't do Super Bad. We last did year. do Super Bad. No, we didn't. No, no. What did we do? Oh, oh, uh, Pineapple Express. Pineapple Express is the film I'm thinking of. Thank you. What was that, Jenna? Half baked. Half baked. Have we done that? Nope. 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 Thanks. Thanks for playing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but this year we're gonna do uh, what has. It's not about pot smoking um, but it uh, has kind of become a cult it's a, classic it's a stoner comedy among stoners uh, and uh, we're celebrating 17 years of this film and also an upcoming sequel coming out on 420 in the form of Super Troopers 2 so yeah. we're going to go back 
and talk about the original Super Troopers from 2001, starring the Broken Lizard. Broken Lizard, man. Mm-hmm. Join us for a mustache ride this. next week. <laughs> I have not seen this film in its entirety. What? No. Holy shit. So this will be a first for me. It's a good movie, man. Should I watch it sober? Uh, I don't know. No. I, I usually watch it sober. We so. do not condone. How about you watch it how you would normally watch it? Illegal activities. I'll watch it sober. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we'll just compare and contrast. That sounds good. Uh, all right, guys. So is that uh, is Super Troopers on Netflix? I have no idea. Cool. Awesome. Uh, all right, guys. Next week, Super Troopers. Jeff, thank you very much, sir. Yeah. Joel, always a pleasure. Pleasure so much. Guys, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks. You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.